Oceanside Park. We will fight our battles to the end and we'll surely leave our mark. We're the tigers of the VFL and we'll sing in harmony. We're the tigers bold in black and gold. We're the boys from Hi and welcome to the Big W Podcast, the official podcast of the Werribee Football Club. I'm Kevin Hillier. I have a terrific lineup for you of for talented people involved in our club uh, in this episode, including our president, Martin Carter, who you'll hear from shortly, a leading goal kicker for season 2022, Hudson Garoni, and a newly crowned if that's the right word, uh, but certainly uh, just been made a life member of the football club. Mark Stone's going to join us to tell us about uh, his involvement in the club and uh, and what he hopes for the future as well for the footy club. So that's all coming up. And thanks to our terrific podcast partners, headed, of course, by our major sponsor, the CB Motor Group, which is, of course, the Balan family have been great supporters of our footy club and heavily involved uh, both on and off field uh, over the years. Uh, so thanks to, uh, to Tino and uh, Paul and Mark and Robin and the entire Balan family. Uh, for their great support. Also to CDC Victoria, our community partners, uh, and also Pacific Werribee, our community partners too, and KFC. I don't need to tell you much about KFC. Pacific Werribee, you know all about. A fantastic place uh, to do your shopping. Uh, terrific food courts. And, of course, CDC Victoria. You see their uh, the name on buses uh, all around the place. So thank you very much to our fantastic podcast partners uh, for being uh, great supporters of our footy club. But let's get stuck into the show and uh, let's uh, start uh, right at the very top. Well, there is no better way to start the Big W podcast off than to talk to the president of the football club. Martin Carter joins me. Hello, Martin. How are you? Very well in this springtime, Kevin. Welcome to uh, a great part of the year, and that is football finals. Absolutely. And we'd like to be part of it, but we're not. Um, so let's, uh, I guess, let's start with the hard question first. How, how have you viewed the season? And, and it has been a, a very different season in many ways. Yeah, it, it certainly has. Um, I see it, I think I said it last year, it's really a bittersweet season. Yep. I've got real pride in what we achieved in 2022 and what I know we'll achieve in 2023. But let me take you through the sweet and then the bitter side of it. Sweet, it, I think in terms of the solidarity and resilience the club and the team show in the face of, of certainly adversity and uncertainty. And I'll give you a couple of examples there. The adversity in travel, disruptions. We got to the Gold Coast, didn't have grounds to train on, didn't have coaches' boxes, playing at a local ground. Um, flight was diverted back to Brisbane. So there were a number of different disruptions that we had to face. Uncertainty in the draw. COVID-19 still abounded. We're still in the midst of it at the moment, whether it be the ramifications of COVID-19 or the epidemic as such. That meant that we were unsure as to the draw. The draw was only released in, in rounds of six blocks. Yep. Um, we had uncertainty with the grounds we were playing on, player availability, working with local clubs. All of that came into it, so it was a fair deal of uncertainty. It, it was certainly sweet in terms of we were the highest place Victorian standalone team by a long way. We only lost to Port Melbourne in what was, I'm sure you'll agree, a night of calamities. Oh, goodness me. Oh. Um, we, we finished the season squaring a ledger at nine and nine. And we had, by, by the way, of the latter, the fifth best percentage of the 21 teams. 
at 127%. It was also sweet in terms of playing 41 players, 17 debutants. So that stands them in good stead for the future and 16 under-22 players. When you think about that, 16 under-22 virtually means, having played 18 games, that we play one new player every game under-22 throughout the season. We only had one player throughout the season who was over 30 years of age. That's our captain, courageous Michael Sotomaka. Yep. The other suite for me was uh, we know we can mix it with the best. So there's a real belief in our playing group and winning and being proud of wearing the big, v, big W jumper. We had some really resounding wins by huge margins. You look at games against AFL teams, we, we thrashed GWS, Collingwood, Geelong and Richmond, two of them fielding in excess of 15 AFL listed players. So that's a sweet side in terms of, yeah, resilience, solidarity, how we performed, standalone club, some of the players we blooded throughout the season and some of the debutants. The bitter to me is, is, is finishing 10th just outside the eight, having lost five games by 12 points or under. The bitter is also not being able to field our best team throughout the year due to injury, suspension and unavailability. We know when we had, for example, Coglin and Hanson in our team, uh, to complement our core playing, playing group, we're able to mix it with the best and we're extremely hard to beat. It was also bitter in terms of a wasted season. A number of our senior people on the field and off the field said it was a wasted season. It was the one that got away and there's still a feeling of burning in our belly of unfinished business for the future. I think the other bitterness as far as I'm concerned is and take this on face value, there were some of the less than palatable conditions and hospitality that we experienced throughout the competition throughout 2022. I've taken this up with the VFL and AFL. We have, wherever football club, the utmost respect for the competition. Perhaps some of the other clubs and licensees need to take a leaf out of our book in 2023. Yeah. No, good words, and uh, and that's I guess the kind of reality check and uh, that 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 people want to hear around the club and uh, that the club needs. Uh, I guess the the questions that'll be asked and are being asked and obviously uh, will be answered uh, internally is how we take that next step to go from tenth into that eight. Yeah, I think we need to be supported. Let, let's be honest. Whilst we are considered in the top echelon of the VFL of the 21 teams in terms of financial performance, on-field performance, compliance and governance, sustainable vision, our foresight and leadership of the standalone causes. Let's be honest, if we if we lump together the Victorian standalone teams, um, there's about a 29% win rate throughout the season. So we need some support to actually compete more competitively against AFL-listed VFL teams. Yep. Because some of them play, we play the Swans, and when they when they give us uh, a hell of a hiding in it, round three, we played them and they had 19 listed players, players such as Tom Hickey, Callum Sinclair, um, Clark, um, Melican, and a number of different players who... For us to be able to compete with them when they're at their peak, we need support. 
And that's not monetary support. That is looking at things such as the draw in the early part of the season when the AFL teams are normally at their strongest. We need to play each other. We need standalone teams to play standalone teams and get the smell of a winning winning formula and then take it on from there. We also need to look at the number of under-22 players that we're playing. Is that the formula for the future? I doubt it in terms of it's hard to play one new player every round, virtually every round. We also need to look at salary caps, which we're looking at at the moment. I'm working closely with the VFL slash AFL, representing most standalone club presidents, in talking about the future and how we actually can build that the playing group further and the off-field group, and that is the football side, whether it be psychologists, welfare, strength and conditioning, these are all the areas we need to improve upon, and with that will come the improvement in our playing list and the development of our players, whether they be young or having been at the club a couple of years, so they know that they're able to mix it further against the very, very best. Yeah, there's no uh, future for standalone clubs if, uh, you know, you're 20-odd 20, 20 percent uh, winning ratio. Uh, people won't, will not hang around to be part of that. They'll go and play in the, in the bush or in the suburbs or wherever they won't. They won't play in this level of competition because they can't be competitive and that, that can't continue. Correct, correct. And as I said, um, I'd be expectant that the salary cap will go up in 2023. And that gives standalone clubs the capacity, if they're able to afford it, to look at bolstering their list and making themselves more competitive, as well as developing the kids that have come through the system and attract, attracting the best possible talent. Yep. Uh, you talked about resilience, and we've talked mainly about uh, the the playing group and the football club internally, as as you know, being a resilient bunch of people. It's a pretty resilient community we we operate in, and uh, and a pretty uh, resilient uh, business base that we have for our sponsors and supporters and all, all all the people around the club as well. And that that's been tested. Uh, gee, was a hell of a lot in the last couple of years, but they've come through with flying colours for the most part. I certainly have. Well, our values are. Uh, certainly that we're driven, we show care for each other and we look at community. We're a very multicultural city. Um, I I read with great interest the most recent uh, figures of population in the city of Wyndham. I think we've got 306,000 people to grow to 500,000 in the next 20 years. That's what our mayor tells us and, and I don't doubt it. So there's a real opportunity for us to embrace the community further, in particular in the multicultural aspect, which we do well through the Wyndham Huddle. We also do well having a number of Sudanese boys and other nationalities running out on the field representing our wonderful community and our football club. But we need to keep driving that forward. The support has been there. It's been tough. People haven't come in the droves to support standalone clubs or the VFL competition in particular because of the uncertainty. COVID's thrown a, a spanner in the works um, and that spanner in the works needs to be uh, abated during 2023 and people need to get to the 
footy. Enjoy the fact that, yeah, it's community football. You're able to go out at quarter time, three-quarter time, listen to the coaches, get close to the action, have a kick at half time for the game, after the game, and really embrace the fact that it's it's local community football, but at the highest possible level. That is the most, um, the, I suppose, number-wise. It, it's the largest second-tier competition outside of the AFL ever been entered into with 21 teams. And it's here to stay. Yep. It's the East Coast competition, but named the VFL because of the integrity, the history that the VFL have brought to this competition. Martin, the, the, I want to ask you and, and get your comments on the resilience of, of, of your board. And uh, there would have been a lot of different questions, a lot of different things, a lot of different scenarios all thrown on the table in the last 12 months because of, as you mentioned, this new competition and how that's the first time we've really flown it uh, properly and for a whole season. Um, have you seen that play out? I think it's probably one of the two greatest achievements that we've had throughout 2022 season, and that is the the transition in our board. I'm really proud of the fact that I lead a board with 10 directors, four of whom identify as females, and have added a real new way of thinking and adding to our club in many layer walks. Um, Mia Shaw adding her expertise and, and her experience in council, um, we've got Jackie Martin, Sales and Marketing, Emily Bison, North Melbourne Football Club, having been involved in membership and strategy, and Monica Schott, a local historian who's written, written a book recently about the history of Werribee. So they've added to our core complement of directors, including our Vice Presidents, Michael Wosley, Ian Hovey, our Treasurer, um, Peter Mayle, um, Roland Brahaska, Jack, young Jack Elliott, who's had large input into the club. And, uh, I just, I just think we'll go on from here. We'll go on and, and forge a, a really strong club. So I'm really proud of the transition of the board. The, the second thing I'm really proud of, to be honest, Kevin, is Mark Penaluna. We know that Mark is the most respected CEO in the VFL who works tirelessly to ensure a sustainable success. So hats off to Mark and his team for a job well done. Uh, Mark's one of the prime reasons as to why Werribee Football Club are seen in that top echelon of the VFL. Uh, There wouldn't have been a role uh, at a football club that Mark hasn't fulfilled. So I take my, my hat off to him and the board takes their hat off to him as well as our 86 different sponsors, our members, our supporters, they know the hard work and the yards that Mark and Narell, of, of course, being his supportive partner, um, have put in to make sure we're here for the long term and we're going to be successful in everything we do. Martin, I, uh, I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for your contribution that you make to our football club because uh, you've been president for a number of years now and it, uh, it's not the easiest job in the world, as as we know. It's uh, it's not a job that people are jumping over uh, six-foot-high fences to get to, to to have a crack at, but you've uh, you've always had your hand in the air and you've always 
uh, head down, bum up uh, for the football club. So uh, on behalf of the members and uh, and the people around the, the footy club, thank you for your contribution and look forward to presentation night and a chance to uh, to celebrate uh, the 2022 season and to, and to really look forward to 2023. Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate that. All I can say is that we need um, the community, the supporters, our sponsors, our members and potential um, community members who want to join a community club and get involved. Uh, we need them there in 2023 to ensure our success at the highest level possible. We're on the road to the Holy Grail and we've got to grasp it sooner or later. Thank you. Martin Carter, the president of the Werribee Football Club. Now let's head to a man who on presentation night will be receiving the award as the leading goal kicker for season 2022 and, of course, talking about Hudson Garoni. Uh, first up, Hudson, uh, uh, your season, uh, were you happy? Uh, I mean, we all would rather be playing, continuing to play into the, in, deep yeah. into the finals, but how did you how did you see the season? Uh, did you, did it tick the box for you? Yeah, well, it was, it was good just to be, to be back playing footy full-time, I think. Um, the last, obviously, the last few seasons have been um, interrupted with COVID, and and it was good to good to finally play a full season, I guess. But um, yeah, we were a little bit as a team, we were a little bit inconsistent. Um, we were a bit up and down, and and it did show when we we finished nine and nine. But um, I think I think we can take a lot of positives from the season though, and and bring him into into next season, especially. Um, with the win in the last game, and uh, it was a good way to finish it off, at least. But um, yeah, I do, I do feel as if we should be, we should be playing, gearing up to play finals. But um, yeah, look, it, it just didn't happen, unfortunately. It was the first proper season of the, uh, you know, the new configuration of the of the VFL when you, you know, travelling into state and playing on grounds, yeah, at Metricon Stadium out, or outside Metricon Stadium, <laughs> and, <Yeah>. and, and, <laughs> and you know, right. having planes delayed and uh, flights cancelled, all that sort of stuff. How did you find all that logistically, and and how, how did you feel that had an effect on your on your footy, if at all? Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was different um, having to travel with the games and that. Um, we we travelled three times um, this year, which which I guess isn't too bad when you when you look at it from afar. But um, yeah, it is it is definitely um, a lot different compared to playing in in Melbourne or in Werribee. Um, getting having to get down there the day the night before and um, and yeah, your preparation is is definitely impacted, but. It is it is a bit of fun though as well traveling with, along with the team. It's just you and the team, so um, and the staff members, which is it can it can be fun also though. So it work, it works both ways. But yeah, it was it was a good experience um, traveling away and playing away. I think your own form during the season uh, was it sort of uh, did, it, did it ebb and flow like the teams did a bit? Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely did, Kevin. Yeah, it was a bit. A bit inconsistent, um, I think. It was yeah, a bit up and down. Um, look, it's 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 a lot easier when the teams when the team's playing well. But um, it's yeah, I think I think my form was yeah, quite quite similar to what the teams was. It was a little bit up and down. Um, a couple of good games and then a couple of poor games. Um, but yeah, overall it was okay still. Um, but. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Come, come, Bruce Montgomery Trophy night. You'll be getting the leading goal kicking award, which has been won by some pretty terrific players over the years. So, uh, you join a, a pretty good group there. What What are the things that you want to work on in the off season to to make you a better player? What have you identified personally as what you want to work on? Yeah, well, in the in the COVID season, I um 
I, I came back home and, and I just looked to get myself really fit. Um, so yeah, I dropped dropped a bit of weight and that, so I could so I knew I needed to get a lot fitter. But um, I think I think this just this off season. I just again I want to get a little bit fitter, um, and then just work on just that, that goal kicking as well. Like I'm, I'm missing a few easy shots, I think. So um, and I know that's a lot of that's to do with mental as well. So perhaps maybe seeking some some mental mental ways to, to get past that. Um, and yeah, just goal kicking would be would be one major one, I think. And then just can, continually to develop on my body and um, and my fitness and my running capabilities, I think. So, um, yeah, that, that would be the main the main two probably, Kevin. Take us into, uh, into your mindset. Uh, you take a mark, uh, you know, the swimming pool end of the uh, of Avalon Airport Oval, <laughs> 35 metres out, slight, slightly towards the scoreboard uh, side. Uh, you're lining up. What, do, what What's your routine? What do you do? Yeah, I, I usually, I usually whenever I take a mark, I, 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 I like to look at the mark and know exactly where it is. Um, I don't step back exactly, but I do have a rough idea, obviously, of how far to go back. And I always, I always, I always start off on my right foot and I walk five steps, um, walking, walking first, and then I take seven before I, before I kick it. But yeah, it's, it's. I think it's, I think it's good to have a routine and just, just to, just to put your mind at ease when you, when you're going back and uh, trying to. I guess, um, yeah, block out any any um, external noise. So, is there is there a voice in your head saying, "I've got this, I've got this, I've got this," or are you trying to keep your head as clear as possible and just concentrate on the ball drop? Or what, what's going through your head? We physically we've covered it, but what's in your mind? Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're trying to you're trying to um, yeah block block it all out. But um, I'm I'm big on follow through, um, and that's what I say to myself. Um, before I kick the ball, so usually when I'm following through the ball, um, I usually kick it a lot straighter. So, um, and, and and we the boy the boys at Werribee all know that. And Shawnee Manners Shawnee Manners big on that. Um, when you're going back to your goal, make sure you you have one or two things you say to yourself that that brings you back to to what to why how you kick it. So, um, yeah, that's that's my way. That's my main point. Um, I follow through. Yeah. Oh, well, you kick the ball beautifully when you uh, when you strike it well, and when you when you do strike it well that first time, is that does that set you up for the rest of the day? Does that work in your mind? Some people it doesn't, some people it does. Where does that sit with you? Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think it definitely does. Um, yeah, usually when you when you when you hit that first one nicely, your, your confidence definitely gains, and and I know for me personally, I've had a I've had a few few games where I, where I kick it really well and, and don't miss, and then. Have a couple of games where where, where it goes uh, where it goes all pear shaped. So uh, I think yeah, it definitely does um, have a have an impact. Yeah. Yep. Um, everyone has aspirations to to play at the higher level. How how is that sitting with you at this stage of your your footy career? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely still there and, and something that something that I really want um, to do is is get to the higher level and and that's why. That's why I'm playing VFL football. I want to. I want to challenge myself against the the best the best players um, outside of the AFL in, in Australia. And and yeah, I guess I still do have that, have those aspirations to, to make it to the next level. But I, I know there's still a long way to go, and, and and many things that I need to tick off before that can that can happen. I guess. Have uh, have any clubs spoken to you in terms of uh, having a chat to you uh, pre the the draft and all those things at the moment? 
Uh, no, no, I haven't, I haven't spoken to any any personally. I'm not, oh yeah, I'm not sure how that that process works with with um, Mick and that. But yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't spoken to any personally. So, uh, what's the off season? Uh, you mentioned you're going to be. Do you give yourself a, a reasonable break and let your body actually <clears throat> sort of repair itself? And, and what do you do? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll probably I'll have a couple of weeks off. Um, I think just just off legs and, and running wise, and then I'll and then I'll get straight back into it. I think um, I'm pretty pretty eager to, to get back into the swing of things and, and get nice and fit. Um, but yeah, look, I still go to the gym and, and, and that for four or five times a week. But in terms of running, I probably have a little bit of time off just to give my, my legs a bit of a rest and then get back into it. Although we, um, myself, Jack Anderson and, and, and Keegan Gray are going overseas and to Europe in November, which, which will be fun. But, um, and then once we get back from that, I guess, um, yeah, get into the swing of things and start training at the club. Hudson, is key forward where you want to play, where you think you should play, and where you play your best footy? Yeah, no, I, th- I think it is, Kevin. I, th- I think I think it's key forward definitely. It's a position I played um, all my life, I guess. So yeah. it's a position I think I know the, I know the best, um, and probably the one I, might, I enjoy the most as well. Um, I do I do enjoy um, the aspect of getting up the ground um, as well, but. Again, in saying that, I, I do need to get um, a little bit fitter and, and my running ability does need to get a little bit better for me to do that, I think, full-time. But, um, yeah, I think he forwards the, the spot for me, Kevin, yeah. Some people feed on that pressure of being the person who, who kicks the goals. Some people don't don't handle it very well at all. It seems to be something that sits quite naturally with you. Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. I, I definitely do en- enjoy being the one um, on the end of the – on the end of the um, on the ball chain and, and kicking the goals, I think I think that's what I enjoy most about the game. So um, yeah, I definitely do enjoy um, yeah kicking a goal too. Well, congratulations on your season, mate, uh, and uh, enjoy your holiday. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at Avalon Airport Oval in uh, in twenty twenty three, kicking plenty of goals. Thanks for that, Kevin. Thanks thanks for having me. Mark Stone, life member of the Werribee Football Club. Hello, Mark, and how does that feel? Yeah, that's that's a Thank you very much. It feels amazing. I, I'm, you know, I'm still pinching myself. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, you know, I'm passionate. I just do what I do, and you know, just to get that award is just. I'm so stoked about it. Just if my dad was here and he passed away five years ago, he was here. He'd be so proud because he was my inspiration to do what I do. Actually. So what got you into, uh, you know, being involved eh, at the Werribee Footy Club, for those that don't know, and, and uh, has kept you there for all this time, I guess, is the other thing. Well, I met that CEO of ours, general manager of ours, <laughs> Mark Penaluna, yeah. about in, two, in 1998 it was, actually, when I was at the Western Region Football League, and I spent three years with him. And then I went away to Tasmania and come back, and I always, always had an interest in football, and I was working, and I, this is a true story, I was working as a sales rep for my lighting company in Albury. And I come back and I thought, I want to work in sport. And um, actually, when I went to Mark, I met Mark, I went back to Mark, and I said, Mark, how do I get involved with the football club? And he said, I was starting, we need someone in recruiting. And I thought, okay. And I've, I'm a, I'm from Tulangata, Tulangata region. So dad, mum and dad, uh, dad was born in Tulangata. Um, I spent a lot of time as a kid up there. So I always had this connection with the Alvins of Murray and with the, obviously the area of the northeast of Victoria. So we started... And I started at where we ran in 2005, trying to recruit players out of the Murray Bush Rangers. That's how our connection started with Murray Bush Rangers. And oh, we had, right. you know, some amazing, uh, James Saker, our assistant coach, was a yeah. Bush Ranger. 
he, um, you know, he was one of the very first ones we got from the ovens of Murray, Murray Bushrangers. But I kept connecting with people and kept going back to my family and connecting to the people of the ovens of Murray. And so that's where it started, where I went to Mark and said, hey, listen, I want to get involved with uh, football. Uh, what about recruiting Stoney? And, and that's where it started. I think that for me, I always loved the science of the game. I always loved, you know, looking at players thinking, can they play a high level of footy? Um, do they want to come down to Melbourne? You know, there's a lot in the story that, that Mark and I, when we first got there, uh, when I first got there, and, and we, I'd speak to Mark and he'd say, well, we need to bring them down to get them to trial with us. Um, where are they going to go to school? Uh, what are they going to do for jobs? Um, it's a pretty big move from the country to come to Victoria. So that's basically how it started in, in around 2005. So you start up in the area that you know really well, but you finished up recruiting blokes from Tasmania and all sorts of places from around the joint. When did it turn into a, a role that, you know, literally had you on the road burning through a car a year? <laughs> That's a good point. I told a story the other week about Mark and I being in um, Hobart, driving from Hobart to Devonport. It took us, you know, it was, I said taking two hours. It took us three hours to get there. And me meeting Mark, I was in Bernie. He was in Hobart, met in Queenstown, which is Gravel Oval. I, I think it just evolved because we started off in, in the ovens of Murray and then I went to the Golden Valley and I started meeting people in football. And you know, the football industry is pretty small. Yep. So I started meeting with the coaches and started talking to coaches and people and officials uh, around the Albury-Wodonga area. And so I'd, get, I'd go and watch games in Albury-Wodonga because I'd love to get back to the border. I'd love to get back to the country of Victoria. And so then I'd went to Shepparton to get in the car on Saturday morning or Sunday morning or have a long weekend somewhere. I'd, I'd like to do that to try and identify players that I could think could play at a VFL level. And with development football back then, it was pretty pretty easy because if the player had an inkling coming out of the Bush Rangers, the, the Benigo Pioneers, um, you know those type of groups, if they wanted to come to Melbourne and trial, then there was an avenue to play at Werribee where they could come and trial in the train block. They could see if they wanted to play the level, if they wanted to commit. They go back home and then decide to come back after Christmas. But then Tasmania come into play, and people know that I spent 2001 in Tasmania uh, working in the foot industry down there. But I actually, Tasmania is one of those things, Kev, that I like being there. I've got friends over there that, you know, just people that I've connected with football. Yeah. And so I started to have a look at the State League in Tasmania. And uh, I remember we, uh, Todd Patterson and Brent Sheehan, and I know Brent's still playing football, I think at Tarnate possibly. Yeah. Toddy Patterson was from um, the north of the state in Launceston. He went to one of the schools there, and we brought them both over. They trialled, they both played development footy with us, and I still speak to both those boys. And then uh, as that evolved, uh, Matty Hanson and Joby Harper, a friend of mine who I'd met through the Devils football in 2001, said, there's two boys over here. We think they can play high level. I said, okay. I've been up some other. Matthew Armstrong was a good adversary, the former North Melbourne Fitzroy player. Uh, he was coaching the Devils back then. And so I talked to him a bit about players in Tasmania. So then it got me going to Tasmania, spending days in Tasmania. And, and Matty and Joby both come over. Matty's still here. Joby spent a year. Could have played a lot more there for footy. Joby he was a good player. Uh, and But Matty obviously stayed in one for this affair. So that's how it got me on the road. But there's nothing better, Kev, for me. My ideal weekend, if I'm not working in MCG, would be, and there's a few finals coming up in the Ovens and Golden Valley coming up, where I'll go along and I've got a few targets because I've been talking to different people and, yeah. you know, all the people all the people that used to play with Werribee, they're my networks because, you know, early years I was up with Sharpie and Larrissey was there and Sammy Martin and Kurt Aylard and, 
um, you know, all these people that played at Werribee and I was at the huddle and, and Jake Sharp's coaching Murdoch and I spoke to John Lamont that weekend. So all those people. So to get around the country, nothing better than the car and going to a game anywhere in Australia, Riverina, like anywhere, Golden Valley, you know, I've been everywhere, Kev. This is the way I'm going Just to try and find a player that, you know, those needle in the haystacks and none better than our former or our current coach, I should say, Michael Barlow, who, yeah. you know, he was Chef United and, you know, that's someone that me the fact he was playing up there getting hit to the ball. So that's another story in itself, Kev. Is the, uh, is the six degrees of separation of the Werribee Football Club an interesting thing that you've found over the years when you do go and stand in the huddle and next minute, you know, a John Lamont or a Kurt Aylett or, you know, Sharpie or whoever is, is sort of standing there and going, oh, Stoney, here you go, mate. Haven't, haven't seen you for a while. Yeah, actually, actually, that's a great, great question, Kev. I remember when I was up at the, um, you know, the two stories, I was up at Myrtleford and, um, and Sharpie's coaching was aboard and uh, just before he used me, unfortunately, for the second time, which is unfortunate. But, uh-huh. um, and Nathan Larrisy, Mr. Larrisy, was standing there. Nathan was standing there. Sammy Martin was in the huddle. Kurt Aylett was there, Manny Munro was there, oh, and Mr. I don't I can't remember what Mr. Sharp's name is, but he was standing there. He was the water boy, I think, and he says, "Tony, what are you doing here?" I said, "Look <laughs> at the day, Mr. Sharp. It's a beautiful day. Uh, the sun's shining. It was early March, and uh, I'm here to watch Murdoch play and watch Jake coach against. I think it was North Aubrey or Lavington. I can't remember, but but, but it's just a it's a great thing, and that's why football's so great. I remember the. In May, I went to the Golden Valley, played Ovens of Murray, and John Lamont was there. And I was standing with John. There's a couple of boys that were looking at the Ovens of Murray to come and play at wherever he'll come and try out wherever. And John was there talking to me, and we walked over to the Ovens of Murray huddle, and there was Luke Garland who played with us, um, Brent Dixon, uh, Nick Meredith was there, um, Damien Sexton, who obviously is from Finley, who another person I've met through football who has recommended a few players. So it is like a it is like a, a six degrees test because football is a small industry yeah. and everybody knows each other. But in the country, in country Victoria, one of the boys has gone away. Farron Priest's, you know, he's another one that went to a Chuka. Yep. Um, I suppose seen Priest at the football a few weeks ago at the MCG. So they they conquer. You never you never lose sight of them, and I never lose sight because they're my networks. Because yeah. I um, I was just on the phone today actually talking about a couple of players in the Ovens Murray and. Um, you can never lose sight of what the players that have played with us at Werribee, what they have become as people, because it's a great environment, what they have become as people, as coaches um, and ambassadors for our club. And it is six degrees of separation, Kev, because yeah. I can go somewhere or ring someone, and it's always a good thing to have in your back pocket. You and I both love the Werribee Footy Club, and, you know, we talk about the Mark Penalunas of the world and that, and Martin Carter and everyone loves the Werribee Footy Club, which is, which is great, but... When you're trying to sell the Werribee Footy Club to a 18 year old in Myrtleford or Shepparton or Tasmania or whatever, how do you go about that? Because it's not, it isn't the easiest footy club in the world to sell, and it hasn't been over the years. We know how good it is, but how do you tell people how good it is? Well, Kev, it's the it's the it's the country club in the city. So for me, um, the, for one, first of all, the players got to have the ability. It's got to have the the person's got to have the right attitude. Yep. they've got to be open minded to they want to have a crack at the high level. So, um, you know, there's players playing out, out bush who just all they need is someone to ask the question. You know, I always wear, wear my wearable jacket or wearable paraphernalia where I've got it on where they can see I'm from wearable. So if I go and target a player, I just go and say, 
are you interested in playing a high level footy? Where do you want to take your football? What do you want to achieve out of your football? What do you do for work? What do you do for school? Because that's the questions Mark asked me to ask many years ago. <laughs> what do they do for work? Um, have they got a partner? Uh, what do they do for schooling? Um, have you got any friends in Melbourne? I remember that, and without going too far, I remember the Ben Brown story. Yeah. And Ben took me three coffees to get Ben to Melbourne. And the fact that he had a mate who was a BMX rider was living in Werribee. But Ben was about moving to Melbourne eventually. So he's about, he was about coming to have a crack at it. So they've got to have, they've got to have a crack at it, want to have a crack at it. And they want to have, got to have the right attitude that they want to move and, and even come to pre-season training where they've got to put themselves out in a couple of trial days coming up in October. You want to come and try that. You want to go and test yourself. Uh, nothing venture, nothing going. So it's just about being positive with the approach to the player and the parents because the parents have got to agree to it. Yeah. And then you've got the spouses and the, and the partners and all these things that kind of kids if you've got them. Just want to go, they've got to want to do it and they've got to want to have the right attitude to do it. So it's just me being honest with myself and honest about what the club is, where the club's located, and we've got a great selling point. Being where we are located uh, in Werribee, out of the CBD, it's a really good, a really good equation for us as a club. Has it got harder? Uh, has it become more competitive to get players to come to this level, or has it got harder because this level, um, you know, it's not doesn't pay as well as some of the country gigs that they would get and stuff? I think it's a good question, Carol. I think that it's become harder because of a couple of reasons. Um, is it because there's no development football anymore? Yeah, and they can get a lot of money in the country, Victoria, right? But now. I mean, as I mean, you know, I've had you know um, Paul Saddley, Choco, Scotty West, Axe, Michael, um, John Lamont. I've had them as coaches, right? And as we've gone on, especially in the last, since when Choco got there, it was more about the science of the game. When development, well, I can't remember what year development footy finished, right? But it's more about what the type of play you need. So now we've been really specific in the player we need. And the, the positional of the player. Yeah. So you know, we, we might we've got a really good. I think Brody's got a really good squad of players at the moment, and we wouldn't want to lose too many players. But we've got a really good squad of players. So now it's about okay, what positions do we have to fill to be competitive in, in the competition we're playing? What's the player got? So it's not only about the attitude now; it's about what position does the player play in? Where is our hole in our team? How can we improve the team to make us? You know, go up. We want to win a premiership. That's what we want to do. That's the ultimate. Every year we want to do is want to win a flag. Yeah. We want to be competitive. We want to have a good team. We want to have a good club culture. We want to be the ultimate best team in the competition, right? So, so those, it has become harder because of those elements. And because there's some players that money isn't everything. The, the status of playing VFL football, having a crack, you can always go back at 29, 30 years old, 31, 32, and go and play back at your local club. A better player, a better person. You get the rewards of your money, but while you've got the chance to play in this game or this elite game, then let's do it. But it is it is it is challenging now to have actually you have to change your mindset when recruiting, absolutely. Yeah. Become more practical and speculative in terms of what uh, what sort of play we're looking for. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Hey, uh, anyone who had any doubt about your passion for football has uh, has heard in the last ten minutes exactly uh, how why you uh, why you dot your eyes and cross your t's and why you've been such a great asset for our football club for for so long and uh, and I just want to say personally congratulations on the life membership absolutely thoroughly deserved and uh, enjoy it and uh, and we look forward to, uh, to you know to many more years involvement at the footy club with you Stoney yeah thanks Joe I really like I said I'm so I'm stoked about it but you know. We just got to continue to bring 
really good people to the club to bring excellence to the club where you know people that you know can one day step on the dice and say I was a country player yeah. or maybe that's what my aim is and I'll continue to do what I do until I can get to that point but thanks very much for the appreciate the words been a great worker around that club for a number of years and I'm sure we'll continue way into the future. That's Mark Stone. My thanks to Mark, my thanks to Hudson Garoni and my thanks to our president, Martin Carter. Don't forget, uh, all the news that you need to know about the club is on the website and our social media platforms. That's where you'll find out about events, about special merchandise offers. You'll find out about all our terrific sponsors and all the events that are coming up and when the draw comes out and all those things happen. A list of our winners from our best and fairest. All that will be on our social media platform. So make sure you uh, follow the fortunes of the club there. Thanks once again to our podcast partners, CB Motor Group, our major sponsor. Thanks to the Balan family, CDC Victoria, Pacific Werribee and KFC in Wyndham. Ah, yes, that sounds like a good idea right now. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Big W Podcast. There's more to come after presentation night. We look forward to talking to all the winners and we'll bring that to you right here on the Big W Podcast. Where are the tigers hold